Not long after he began his earthly ministry, Jesus went to Nazareth, his hometown. He had been preaching and healing people across Israel for a few months, and his popularity among the common people was growing quickly. Jesus' neighbors and friends of Nazareth had watched him grow from a small boy to a fine young man. In recent years, they had benefited from his handiwork as a carpenter. And now that he was returning home, they all wondered what he would do when he got to Nazareth. Would he heal everyone who was sick there? Would he preach another sermon with hundreds of people sitting at his feet? He was fast becoming their hometown hero, and now their hero had come home for a visit. When the Sabbath day came, the synagogue at Nazareth was packed. At the time when the scriptures were usually read by someone during their service, the synagogue leader asked Jesus to read. He was handed the scroll marked Isaiah. Then Jesus unrolled it to almost the very end of the scroll, a process that would have taken several minutes. Anticipation was building as he got ready to read. Everyone was wondering what passage he was searching for. Then Jesus read from Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, these momentous words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When he finished reading, Jesus simply said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I have been called by God to do the things written in this scripture. So far, so good. The people were even whispering to each other, did you hear the wonderful things he's saying? Can this really be Joseph's son? Then Jesus shocked them by saying, Surely you will doubt me and say, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard you did in other places. And then he furrowed his brow and said, Truly, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. In other words, I know you're not going to welcome me like the other towns of Judea have. Truly, no prophet is accepted in his hometown, he said, just like your ancestors refused to accept Elisha, God's prophet of old. These words infuriated the people of Nazareth. They were hard for them to hear. They couldn't accept the fact that the boy they watched grow into a man was now casting doubt on their faith and their good names. So the people in that synagogue rose up as one man against Jesus and drove him to the edge of a steep hill in town, intending to throw him off the cliff. But Jesus calmly walked right through the crowd and left Nazareth, never to return to his hometown again. The Savior of the world had come home to save his neighbors and friends, but they would have none of it. You can read this whole story in Luke 4 if you like. Here was Jesus coming to bring freedom and new life to the people that he knew best, but they refused to accept what he was offering. Amazing, simply amazing. Why did they reject Jesus? Why could they not receive him as their healer and savior and Messiah? Perhaps their change in the view of Jesus was just too much too soon to accept. Perhaps they didn't like 
that accepting him as their savior would make certain demands of their lives. And I guess we will never know for sure. But many others have rejected his offer to free them also. Jesus came to earth to set captives free. But not all of the captives even want to be set free. Could you or me be one of those people that somehow resist freedom? This situation reminds me of the Israelites when Moses was sent by God to free them from their bondage in Egypt. The Jewish people were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And slavery meant that they were not free to do God's will or to go wherever they wanted. They had to do whatever their taskmasters, the Egyptians, told them to do. Moses had been sent by God to free them from slavery. But they pushed back when he suggested that God wanted them to be free. Look what they said to Moses and Aaron in Exodus 5.21. May the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. The enslaved Jews were more concerned about the reaction of their taskmasters than they were about accepting the freedom that God wanted to give them. If they let God free them, the Pharaoh would be angry because his workforce would be gone. And they were worried that the Egyptians that they had served their whole lives would attack them. So they got angry at Moses for even suggesting that they should let God free them. Freedom from their bondage did not seem to be worth the hardships they might have to endure. What about us? What about you and me? Are we comfortable in our bondage? Do we resist the powerful changes Jesus wants to make in our lives as he sets us free from whatever enslaves us? Our area erupted in protests last weekend over George Floyd's wrongful death at the hands of police officer Derek Chauvin in Minneapolis. Demonstrations have been seen all over America now and even in other countries. What happened to George Floyd is a senseless tragedy, like many of the senseless tragedies we have seen in our broken world. I'm sick of them, aren't you? We've all had enough of violence and injustice fueled by racism and bigotry. But we really shouldn't be surprised that this stuff still goes on in a world in bondage to sin. People who are held captive to sin do terrible things to each other and feel totally justified doing so. What Derek Chauvin did to George Floyd is evidence of the bondage to sin that he is under, a bondage which causes him apparently to mistakenly believe that he is somehow superior to black people. At the same time, the rage some of the demonstrators have given themselves to is evidence of the bondage to sin that they are under, that a justified cry for justice somehow gives them the right to destroy another person's property or to kill the policemen who are trying to maintain peace in a very tense situation. And what aggravates me is that the one, the only one who is happy right now is Satan, <laughs> that master deceiver who holds almost the whole world in bondage. Now, I cannot understand when an officer of the law sworn to serve and protect citizens like us ends up causing the death of someone in his custody. I pray that we can stop senseless violence like this in the future. At the same time, 
I know this, that only Jesus can change our hearts and set them free from the bondage of sin. The truth is that all of us have been and may still be in some kind of bondage. Jesus wants to set us free, but we may unknowingly, unintentionally resist the very freedom he wants to give us. The people of Jesus' hometown said to Jesus, in effect, we don't want you coming back here to shake things up. Go do your thing somewhere else, Jesus. The Israelites in bondage in Egypt said to Moses, in effect, leave us alone. Don't try to set us free from Pharaoh's grasp or he'll be angry. We choose bondage over freedom. And it is possible for people to become so accustomed to their bondage that they resist efforts to free them. We like freedom, but we don't like the discomfort and some of the changes freedom brings with it. So we balk at the very freedom we so desperately need. Repentance is required when we come to faith in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Repentance is doing an about face in life. Repentance brings big changes to our lives, but change is hard. Change is difficult. A big part of our repentance is our willingness to walk away from what we have known and to step towards something new and unknown. And that's scary. When God sets out to free us, the price we have to pay is a willingness to change and to be changed. Change of any kind is hard to accept, even if it is change for the good, change for our good. It seems we resist change nearly at every turn. Grief, for instance, can be a terrible form of bondage, yet we can become comfortable with it. Grief is good, necessary to good health, a natural emotion that God gave us so that we can deal with the losses we experience in life. But grief is not supposed to be something we hang on to the rest of our lives. Now, I don't want to minimize the deep sadness that a loss of any kind can cause in us. But there comes a time when we have to move on from our grief and carry on with our lives. There should come a time when God heals us and we no longer have to live in a fog of despair and grief. Grief can get too comfortable for us if we let it. Or fear. Fear can become something that we grow so used to that we don't even know how to live without it. It becomes a ready excuse to stay home, to keep to ourselves without getting involved in the lives of other people any more than we have to. And the coronavirus pandemic is encouraging us to choose fear over faith, but we must resist our fears and keep helping other people any way we can and trust that God will watch over us. The Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. What it is saying is that when our experience of God's love is complete, we can learn not to fear anyone or any circumstance of life. Jesus wants to set us free from our fears. As destructive as a sinful habit or lifestyle may be, we may prefer living that with what is familiar rather than being set free to experience something that is unknown. The drugs or the alcohol we use to take away our stress actually harm us and the ones we love, but we may try to convince ourselves we have to have them in order to survive. Or we know perhaps that our anger is destroying our personal relationships at home and at work, but holding on to our rage feels good and releases our pent-up frustrations, so we hold on to it. 
Viewing illicit images on a screen may seem exciting and even freeing, but it is nothing more than another form of bondage that keeps us from becoming the person Jesus frees us to become. Jesus came to free us from our sins and destructive habits, even when doing things a new way seems scary and uncomfortable. We may realize how harmful a bad friend's influence is, but choose to reject God's will rather than offend our friend. And when our friend's speech or action dishonor God, we may not say anything because we don't want to risk our friendship with them. When our friends suggest doing something wrong, we go along with the crowd just so we can fit in. Sometimes we need to choose Jesus over our friends, even when it is a tough thing to do. Jesus offers new life. Jesus offers freedom from everything that has held us captive. And when Jesus comes offering new life and freedom, we may say, no thanks, that's okay. I'll just keep doing what I've been doing. I'm comfortable with that. I'll just keep popping my pills. I'll just keep smoking weed. I'll just keep drinking booze. I'll keep hanging out with my friends who always pull me down and away from God, all because I'm comfortable with that. Besides, I'm not sure what your new life and freedom really looks like anyhow, Jesus. Now, we may not be brazen enough to say that to his face, but we still reject the freedom he gave his life to bring to us. The sad thing is that some of us haven't really been happy for a very long time. We're sick and tired of being sick and tired. We sleep fitfully almost every night, and we have nothing to look forward to when the sun comes up. But it's all we've known. So we guess we'll just stay with what's comfortable. For some, they hold on to things for the sense of control they feel. That sense of control is a delusion. They're not really in control of anything. But holding on to something, even something bad for them, feels like control somehow. For others, they hold on to things because the familiarity gives them a sense of comfort. They say, yeah, I, I know it's, it's not a good thing but I'm familiar with it. I'm comfortable with it. I wouldn't know what to expect if I were to leave it behind. Learning to trust Jesus, however, includes letting go of other things we have been putting our trust in. We have to let go of old habits, old ways of life, and even old friends who hold us back and keep us from embracing the new life that we have received in Jesus Christ. Jesus alone gives us freedom. Jesus alone can truly set us free. Jesus alone can break us free from our sin and our guilt and our shame. But in coming to him, we must leave some things behind. Have you ever been lulled into feeling comfortable with your bondage? Have you found yourself resisting the changes Jesus wants to make in your life? Or are you willing to allow God to do whatever is necessary in order to free you from whatever enslaves you still today. Do you fear change more than you fear God? If you do, I want you to know that no one can free you or me like Jesus can. No one can bring new life and freedom to your days here on earth and eternity like Jesus can. He came for this very reason, to give us a second chance and to set us free from whatever holds us in bondage. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
Accept the freedom Jesus is offering you now, holding nothing back. Whether it is grief or fear or a bad habit or a bad friendship, don't let anything stand in the way of the freedom you can experience in Jesus Christ. Jesus made two very powerful statements about freedom, both recorded for us in John chapter 8. The first is John 8, 32. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And hopefully this morning you have heard truth from the word of God. In Jesus, you can be set free. Only in Jesus, we can be set free. The second statement of Jesus is in John 8, 36. Jesus said, if the son sets you free, you shall be free. Indeed. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, we are grateful that you have done for us what we could never do for ourselves, that you gave us your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, to cleanse us from every sin, to give us new life, to give us freedom that we could never have achieved on our own. Somehow, Father, we still hold on to the past. Somehow, we allow the things of old habits, of grief or fear, old friends, to keep pulling us back, to keep us from those things that you have dreamed for us, the things you have planned for us. If we are here this morning in this worship time and we realize that Jesus has set us free, but we're still walking in bondage, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts today that you would help us to acknowledge that we have not left behind what we should leave behind and that we need to run toward you. We need to fully receive the freedom you've offered us in Christ, not holding on to the past, not holding on to bad habits or even grief or fear, but to just choose Jesus, to choose the life we have in Jesus. We thank you that he is our Savior, that he is our Lord. We pray that in this worship time today, uh, that each of us would just draw close to you and understand what you have planned for us, what you have dreamed for us. Bless us as we bow before you now. In Jesus' name, amen.